You're listening to The Voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler, and today's story is the first of two parts of The Satrap's Mark by Thomas Foe Steele, offering a sample piece from the new anthology In the Light of the Dawn by the Furry Historical Fiction Society. More of his stories can be found at his Fur Affinity page. Please enjoy The Satrap's Mark by Thomas Foe Steele, Part 1 of two. Chin up, Pantea. You've barely touched your game in The elder Persian leopard topped off her clay water cup while glancing at her daughter from across the hornbeam table. Nearby, their servant, Nilufar, a lynx, a lynx in an ankle-length linen robe, busied herself packing a lunch of dimpled sangak and hard cheese. You should finish your stew. You'll need your strength for the day ahead. You say that every morning, mother. Pantea managed another bite of the repast, brilliant yellow and slightly peppery, before shoving her plate away. Her tail flicked back and forth behind her, poking through a narrow slit in the chair's backrest. Frowning, she noticed the hackles along the nape of her mother's neck were standing erect. What's got your coat so puffed out? You're not worried, are you? You're set to be challenged today. Farva nervously drummed her manicured claws in the edge of the table, near several deep scratches in the otherwise unmarred surface. Broad shoulders, accentuated by sharply trimmed fur, rose, then fell, as she chose her words carefully. Need I remind you of the importance of this occasion? It is not every day that a young leopard is challenged to see if she's worthy of joining the ranks of the Athanatoi. I still haven't been told what this challenge is. Pantea rolled her eyes as she glanced at an idol of the god Hauma, set in a place of honor beside the family hearth. He was a god of the harvest, granting strength to those whose labors fed the mighty Persian Empire and bestowing vitality upon those who ruled it. Can't the satrap just tell you? It wouldn't be much of a challenge then, now would it? Farva turned just enough to showcase the twisting scar running like a flowering tree branch along her bare shoulders. Devoid of fur, it served as a reminder of how she'd earned her place as an Arashara, one of the nobles that supervised the provincial city of Hamadan. The satrap has spoken to your tutors and observed you closely he will know what challenge to present you with, just as he knew what challenge to present to me when I came of age. Will I be marked with a scar like yours? Pantea knew that every Anna of noble birth earned their mark during the challenge, though it came in many forms. I'd prefer simple fur paint if it's all the same. Only the inner temple knows where and how you'll be marked. We leave that secret to the gods alone. Farva smiled softly. Once you are marked, the satrap shall dictate your assignment. This is the way of the king of kings. Such is the way, Nilofar added. Though she was not from the imperial heartland of Mahedia, the lynx was ceaseless in her devotion to the empire's traditions. Once a domestic slave, she had been freed by the arrival of troops under Farva's command many years ago. The sundial has passed eight marks, Mirza. You should cleanse your spirit before you leave. Let us all pray together for good fortune. 
May the light of Ahura Mazda shine on us all. Farva rose from her seat, extending her paw out with her index finger pointing downward. At her gesture, Nulafar removed a pair of prayer rugs, woven of rich cashmere from a chiseled alcove beneath the shrine. Each bore a pattern of leopard spots, surrounded by delicate fronds of sacred saffron. Pentea took a singular step onto the rug before her mother reprimanded her with a piercing stare. Releasing a grunt of annoyance through her teeth, the teenage leopard turned and joined her mother at the washing basin near the front door. Crisp, cool water flowed across a bed of weathered sandstone in a steady stream through a miniature kwanat, an underground aqueduct. See, I didn't completely forget this time. You must do better. A future Athanatoi must strictly honor these traditions, Nulafar admonished. They are the adhesive that holds the Ana together. Though we are diverse in religion and culture, we are united in our reverence for the gods of the empire. Farva bent over to wash her daughter's feet with the sweet-smelling elixir of ambergris, blended with myrrh and catnip. Their pupils dilated in tandem as the divine vapors diffused upward. We are a cadet branch of the royal family. This means that the Anha will look to you for leadership. Their piercing gaze will soon line heavy upon your brow. So I'm not allowed to slip up? Pentea groaned as her mother began to groom her like a young cub while the lynx washed her feet. Her least favorite of the rides involved her mother stroking her barbed tongue through her chief edit. Her least favorite of the rites involved her mother stroking her barbed tongue through her cheek ruffs to smooth out any errant tufts of fur. I'm not imbued with sacred wisdom just because I was born with the right spots. You know that's not what I meant, Fava replied. Stepping out of the washing basin, she dried her fur by walking across a bed of stones heated by a pipe running from the hearth. By virtue of your birth, you've inherited a certain privilege. There is no escape from the position our blood places us in, and it is our duty to use it to further the public good. Shireen is allowed to do what she wants when she's not at the training arena. Ears folding flat against her skull, Pantea's cheeks burned as she dried off for padding over to the hearth. Perching cross-legged on the prayer rug, she used her muscular tail to tilt herself forward until she reached the reverent 30-degree angle. Can't I just have a little fun in the morning for once? If Shireen ate a bowl of poisonous grapes, would you enjoy them also? Farva poured a large measure of plum wine into a fine silver cup before placing it on an offering dish before the idol. Sagaris are commoners, ones of high status perhaps, but commoners all the same. They live by different rules. Biting her tongue, Pantea bowed her head. As the youngest, it was her obligation to offer the sacred invocation. Ahura Mazda, Lord of the Inner Temple, we pray for you to protect the Anha. May the rivers flow uninterrupted into our fields, and may our wheat grow tall. Aid us to sit present with one another, mindful of our purpose. In a world where many beasts are hungry, we give thanks for our full bellies. Remind us of the necessity of good thoughts, good words, and good deeds. Lord of the Inner Temple, hear us now. Good. A short smile peeked at the edge of Farva's muzzle. I sense that Shireen is here to escort you to the Basagadai. The satrap will see you once you arrive. 
I want no misbehavior from either of you on the way. Am I clear, young leopard? Pantan nodded as her gorgeous caracal bodyguard stepped into the hall. Richly oiled leather armor dyed yellow with iron oxide from Hormuz adorned Shireen's chest and shoulders. Her lower body was covered by a tunic fastened neatly at her knees, patterned with a design that resembled blooming water lilies. Clear as a sacred pool, mother, Pantea said. Good morning, Arashara. Good morning, Pantea. After a polite bow, Shireen took the basket from Nilufar, her oilcloth cloak fluttering over well-muscled shoulders. Peeking inside a leather bag tucked into the lunch basket, the caracal grinned before popping a hunk of wild boar jerky into her muzzle. Let's get moving before the heat of the day sets in. Don't forget your blade, though I doubt you'll need it. I keep one on me at all times, Pantea replied with a wink. A flirtatious slash of her inner thigh revealed a sheathed dagger bound taut against her fur. Its scabbard was adorned with fine engraving depicting hunters chasing a fallow deer. But I'll also take my sword since you insist. Pentea grabbed a Saif al-Sharka, the short sword with a curved blade that nearly every Athadatoi carried. Wielded by an army ten thousand strong, there was no enemy from the Balkan Peninsula to the Indus River that it could stand against the mighty saber. Leopard's dexterous fingers secured it around her waist with a length of hemp cord. Listen, you two, I mean it this time. If I hear from the city guard that you've broken the satrap's peace again with your mischievous escapades, so help me, I'll tan your hides raw like a will toddler still in catchcloths. Speaking of which, do you remember the time? Okay, bye, love you, mother. Pantea ducked out the door before her mother could once again embarrass her in front of Shireen. The young leopard had an inkling her mother had picked up on the simmering attraction and gave her coupling her tacit approval I be it replete with playful ribbing. Slamming the hunk of beach behind her, Pentea turned to the bemused caracal. So, straight to the Pasargadai? I don't know, what do you think? Shireen said with a sly smile, glancing at the mud tile rooftops of Hamadan, peeking out behind the walls of the interior courtyard. Sentries in sun-faded leather armor patrolled along the parapets while a cook slow-roasted several ducks in a rotisserie for the evening feast. We could, you know, take the scenic route. But, Pantea's eyes went wide, what if my mother finds out? There won't be many eyes on the ancient road, I'm sure we'll pass unnoticed. Shireen winked, her ear tufts perking up as she suddenly brushed her paw along the leopard's flank. What do you say? I suppose if you're leading the way. Pantia relented, taking Shireen's paw. The caracal gave her palm a tender squeeze as they passed through the front gate. Do you have our route planned out? I was thinking we could stop at the market first, get a picnic lunch, she said, licking her lips with anticipation. I heard Bijan has put barbecued fellow deer back on the menu. He'll sell out quickly, so we need to use the shortcut to get there in time. Do we have to? The abandoned temple gives me the creeps every time we pass by it. Pantea followed Shireen down a deserted thoroughfare, half overtaken by ferns and sedges. Invasive bullfrogs croaked from the stagnant drainage ditches that ran on their side, each choked to a standstill by fast-growing water weeds. I feel 
watched. It's just stone and mortar. There's nothing to be afraid of, Shireen said, pressing confidently ahead. She occasionally used the wicked edge of her shamsir to clear bits of intrusive brush from their path. Formed in the style of one of the Anha supplicating themselves, an ancient structure of sandstone peeked out from an overgrown clearing off to their right. See? Are, are those beacons lit? An expression of alarm raced across the leopard's muzzle as she noticed the temple's eyes glowing bright with scarlet fire. Paw darting toward the leather-wrapped hilt of her weapon, Pantea scanned nervously through the foliage around them. You're seeing that too, right? It's probably just a few miscreants want to scope it out. Throwing the full force of her body behind a swing of her shamshir, Serene sliced through a gnarled tree to clear the descent. The caracal cracked her neck, the outline of her bulging muscles visible beneath her sandy fur. I doubt it'll be too dangerous. You trained with one of us, Siaf, right? Perhaps the best, Pantea replied. She drew her scythe Alsharka, the oiled blade sliding free from the sheath like a whispered threat. It gleamed bright as polished silver in the dappled patches of sunlight that broke through the heavy clouds above them. My mother, said Siaf Hafez, commanded caravans across the south that stretched so far along the horizon, the sun would rise and set before you'd see their end. Protected by his blade, not a single shekel weight of cargo was lost to bandits. Would you ever want to go and see the south for yourself? Shireen asked. Pentan knew that only a few traders seeking goods for the royal court ventured into the golden sands that separated the empire from the rich ivory and salt of Nubia. I've heard that out past the end of the river's twinkling stars glow bright over an endless sky. Well, if you came with me, Pantea replied, I'd love to see those stars with you. By the time the leopard snapped out of a particularly steamy daydream, the pair had reached the barren floodplain that blocked direct access to the temple. Changing seasons had already brought with them a steady flow of water, sweeping across what had once been a bridge but what was now more of an artfully arranged heap of stones, running through the center of the tributary. I'm starting to have second thoughts about this, Shireen. How about a kiss if we make it to the other side? Shireen used her natural agility to dance across the slick rocks, her feet landing with the elegance of falling raindrops. She lingered on each for but a moment, using her extended claws to propel herself forward, pirouetting on the other bank, the caracal gave a bow, worthy of a traveling performer. Just wait across if you can't manage the rocks. I have a fishing rod in my bag to haul you out if you slip. Huh. Now take that deal. Pentea took a deep breath, gathering her courage before she hurled herself forward like a charging stallion. Less sprightly than the caracal, she used the copper-tipped claws on her feet to find perches in the crevices between river stones. Powerful calves held her fast against the raging stream as she took her first arduous step forward against the full strength of the current. What I'd give to have your acrobatics right about now. I wouldn't mind having strength like yours, Shireen shouted, cupping her paws around her muzzle. A bullfrog's piercing mating call cleanly sliced her next sentence in half. Of you, it's not that far. Pentea lacked the spare brain power to reflect on this newfound advancement in their tacit courtship, 
Gritting her teeth, she, the leopard barely managed another step. Her thighs burned as she turned herself sideways to minimize drag. While an adept swimmer, she was almost certain the water would sweep her far downstream before she could paddle the other bank. Do you happen to have that fishing rod handy? I could use it right about now. You're a leopard. Is this the best you've got? Shireen clapped her paws with the sharp intonation of a siaf, demanding she repeat a drill. Fire glowed in her amber eyes, a smoky warmth that radiated outward from her inner pupils. The caracal wasn't giving up on her. Faster! What a self-respecting Athanatoi yield to this turgid trickle. Shivering from being immersed up to her bust in snowmelt water, Pantad dragged herself slowly to the muddy shore. The last few strides required her to punch her crampon-like claws firmly into the slick riverbed to hold herself fast. Just as her strength began to fail, a warm paw clamped around her wrist. Shireen tugged Pantea upward as though the leopard was Reynosa, the half-drowned god whom the locals once worshipped. Pantea rolled onto her back, every muscle in her body flexing as though she were afflicted by a lockjaw. Grabbing her by the scuff of her neck, Shireen dragged her over to a lonely patch of sunlight against the trunk of a date palm. Ugh. World-class suggestion about this river crossing, the leopard gasped. Maybe spend a little more time on the field of branchless trees at the training grounds, huh? Leaping between poles does wonders for your agility. Shireen stripped off the larger pieces of her armor, leaving her in a pair of ankle-length long underwear. Going across a river takes far less effort than plowing through it. Thank you. Thank you, Pantea sighed with pleasure as the beating sun fell upon her soaked garments. She was grateful for the warmth, water droplets on her cheeks gleaming like uncut diamonds before evaporating into the parched air. I'll have to remember that for next time. Just breathe easy, I don't want you to strain yourself. Shireen tilted the spout of a wineskin into her muzzle. Bold and sweet, the unaged tangerine wine quenched the leopard's raging thirst. Better? Yeah, I should be good to move in a few minutes, Pantera replied, watching as Shireen downed the remainder in a single gulp. Aren't you the brave one? Brushing aside the mop of water-soaked head fur on Pantera's forehead, Shireen leaned in close. Hot-breathed house of the leopard's cheek rufts, remnants of richly spiced jerky blending, with alcoholic vapors to form an intoxicating perfume. Even if you're not yet an Athanatoi, I think you're already up there with the best of them. Pentea's skin prickled as warmth surged through her fingertips. She raised her head and was instantly reassured by Shireen's tender gaze. A bolt of lightning shot through the leopard's heart as she tensed up with anticipation. Got, God's above, I... I love you, Shireen, she confessed. Do you share my feelings? Course, a mock, Shireen replied with a chuckle. Suspended in the air between them was a spark of the divine, somehow familiar, yet entirely unknown. Shireen's lips brushed against hers, like the carved blade of her shamshir. A smile crept at the edge of the caracal's jet-black lips. I love you too, Pantea.
Pentea flushed beneath her fur, paws trembling as they curled around tough iris stems. Any wound to her ego sustained by the river crossing was immediately healed by sharing her first kiss with Shireen. Breathing deeply, she grasped the caracal's cheeks as they rose with lips entwined. In the distance, an ominous thunderclap reverberated through the clearing as the sky flashed white as purified salt. The sun fully retreated beneath water-smooth silver clouds while Shade overtook them. Mm. As much as I'd like this to last forever, we should find shelter, Shireen said. Your mother would kill me if I let her daughter get struck by lightning. Wait just a moment, Pentea narrowed her eyes as she scanned through the brush. She couldn't quite shake the pernicious feeling of being watched. Do, do you see anything? I swear I just caught a glimpse of a gold cloak. Damn it, we don't have time to see if we're being followed, Shireen shouted while gathering up Pentea's armor. As the heavens opened, their fur was violently pounded by pea-sized hail. Drawing her waterproof cloak over their heads like an old woman's shawl, Shireen escorted Pentea across the open field while lightning danced across the sky. Their feet had barely touched the cold stone of the temple floor before the hail shifted into a torrential downpour. Looks like we won't be going anywhere soon, Pentea said. The leopard inspected a cracked torch, mounted haphazardly in a rusted iron sconce while suiting up. Constant background noise assaulted her ears, a mixture of rainfall and the scurrying and scratching of uncountable creatures that had made their homes in the temple walls. Do you still have your spark stones? I think there's a little pitch left on this one. Of course, how could I forget them? Ruffling around in an oilcloth case held fast against her thigh by the length of sun-dried oryx intestine, Shireen pulled out a pair of handheld flints. Here, give me that. I have a little kinnikinnik left if you'd like to pack my pipe. I'd rather wait for when we have something to celebrate, Pantea replied. Mm, fair enough. Flames sparkled in Shireen's eyes as the pitch caught fire. Holding the blazing torch aloft, she threw flickering light onto stone walls covered with intricate drawings, each chiseled by the paw of an expert artisan. Wind-thrashed patches of gold leaf adorned the cloaks of animal-headed figures. What do you think these are? I think they're pictographs, probably recounting some kind of myth, Pentea muttered. She was instinctively drawn to a figure of a leopard, standing alone, head raised in a gesture of ecstasy as she grasped a crimson file. A trace of distinctive Tyrian purple remained around his shoulder pauldrons. She had only seen the color once before, in the inner halls of the Pasargadai. Perhaps something involving the old gods? It is a myth the Satrap has kept hidden from you. A lynx stepped out from the shadows, the hooded cloak around his shoulders, perfectly still in the dead air. Dyed rich crimson, a pattern of dried roses adorned the fringe of the silk garment. Though it is really less of a myth and more of an instructive text. Treating the torch like a fire club, Shireen angled it downward as she drew up to her full height. Bearing her fangs, the Sagaris interposed herself between Pantea and the stranger, while a resonant growl danced in her throat. 
Let your name be known. You come bearing an unfamiliar scent. I am Hashmet. My people once ruled the same city that you now claim as your own. Slowly coming closer, he pitter-pattered his claws in the stone wall, like butcher-cracked bones falling into a rubbish pit. Exposed the sharp edge of his ribs for an instant as he turned to admire the morphemes. This hooded face concealed, Pantea caught only the reflection of the firelight in his hazel eyes. You look too young to have seen these lands before the conquest, am I correct? I was born after, Pentea said. Her paw darted down to grip the handle of her scythe Alsharka, only to touch empty air. Eyes widening with alarm, she cursed herself for not checking for its presence earlier. It was probably a fair distance down the stream by now. But I was whelped on the soil upon which we stand. I am no stranger to this land. You are no stranger. And yet you are no friend. Would a faithful compatriot forget the gods that were once honored here? Hashmed's voice was imbued with a strange magnetism. Pantea found herself unconsciously matching his strides as he headed toward the depths of the temple. I can teach you their ways and bestow upon you the power that comes with their favor. Surely an Athenatoi of your status would desire such a bounty. All I ask for is a little something in exchange. What power? Shireen asked. There is no force greater than Ahura Mazda. I speak, of course, of an older and more potent force, that of blood magic. Pentea's muzzle was suddenly stuffed full of cotton as her tongue turned leaden against her teeth. It was the starkest and most savage of practices, one that the satrap had almost entirely stamped out. You've heard of it, haven't you? The satrap wisely guards the secrets of that dark art. Shireen said, storm clouds rising in her eyes, one should not deprive Anha of their lives in the pursuit of temporal power. Above all else, it corrupts the soul. The satrap forbade its practice outside the deepest sanctum of the inner temple for good reason. Sloping almost imperceptibly downward, they soon approached the underground heart of the temple. An enormous crystal mounted in the ceiling cast feeble light upon its root-studded walls. Carved from a single tree so enormous its shade would darken the white tower of the Pasagadai, an altar stretched off into pitch black at the other end of the room. What if I told you that immortal could be more than a title? Hashmed said with a silken tongue. The links practically purred with each syllable. With blood magic you can have power that even Ahura Mazda cannot bestow. That of eternal life. What exactly is the cost to live forever? Pentea asked skeptically. Nothing of great importance. The lynx threw his hood back. His cheeks were dyed with crushed lapis lazuli 
while carmine pigment shifted the fur around his eyes to resemble the hue of freshly spilled blood. The cost is minor compared to the value of such knowledge. It is a sounder investment than taking stake in a trading caravan. Pantea and Shireen shared a hesitant glance. Could you be more specific? Shireen asked. No investment ought to be made without first doing one's due diligence. Let me offer my hospitality first. Drawing an enormous clay jar from beneath the altar, Hashmid filled three bronze tankards with golden liquid. The fennec foxes of the south call this Tariq al-Kumur. It is a curious drink made from dates that have cured in the sun for thirty days and thirty nights. I find the flavor to be like drinking the spirit of honey wine. Pantea accepted the tankard, the metal cool against her paw pads. Vapors wafted upward to sting her nostrils, leaving a sickly sweet odor lingering in her sinuses. It was far more potent than the unaged wine or small beer she usually consumed. You drink first, stranger. <laughs> Fair enough, young leopard. Tilting his muzzle sideways, the lynx's throat bulged and receded while he took a gulp. He wiped his muscle off with his shirt sleeve before shamelessly belching. See? Perfectly safe. Although I should warn you that the spirit of the desert sun burns all the way down. How is it, Shireen? Pantea nervously drummed her paws against the side of the tankard while she observed the caracal cautiously sip. You okay? Mm. Yeah. It's quite strong. Shireen's muzzle twisted as she clenched her paws and exhaled through griddled teeth. Parting her lips, she washed the liquor down with a long quaff of water from a nearby clay bottle. Far more potent than anything available. Bazaar and Hamadan, that's for sure. Uh, maybe a little too strong. Moments after taking a sip, Pantea was suddenly overcome with a wave of nausea. She staggered forward, claws scratching the altar as she fell to her knees. Bile scorched her throat as she emptied the contents of her stomach onto the floor. Oh, something's wrong. A little henbane. Don't worry, it's not fatal, Hashmed said with a mocking grin, his eyes bulging out of their sockets as he fought the herb's sedating effects. Shireen collapsed face first onto the ground, tankard clattering with a metallic bring. The caracal's quivering paw reached for her shamshir, only to go limp just as it wrapped around the grip. The part where you die comes next. Pantea toppled forward, cheek resting against the cool stone. The world turned dark, echoing footsteps ringing for a moment in her ears as Hashmed approached with a binding cord in his paws. And then there was nothing at all. This was the first of two parts of The Satrap's Mark by Thomas Faux Steele, read for you by Rob McQuill, Werewolf Hitchhiker. Tune in next time to find out how Pantea and Shireen escape Hashmed's clutches. 
As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.